The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today. Welcome to Rebel News' Daily Roundup, your host for the day, Adam Sos here, and I am joined by my fabulous colleague, Dre Humphreys. Dre, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Happy to be back on the Daily Roundup with you. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a minute. It was like a long time we didn't do any together, and now we're doing them more frequently. It's fun. I like doing yeah. them with you very much. Uh, before we get Represent to some of the-, the West. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Got to get some uh, Western representation out there. But fear not, if you're not in the West, we have some stories that affect your part of the world too. But realistically, anything that affects the West affects all of Canada. We know that. Same thing out East. That's the way she rolls. Before we get into some stories of the day, however, here though, uh, I do want to roll through some of the nuts and bolts of the live stream. So if you are watching us, you're probably watching on Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, Getter, one of those platforms. I do just want to encourage you to consider Switching away from a platform like YouTube, the majority of our viewers are now watching on the other platforms, platforms like Rumble that don't control what you say or how you say it within reason. Of course, they want to give you a platform, an opportunity to share your perspective rather than telling you what you are allowed to say. So that is uh, that that is the nuts and bolts of where you can watch us. The fun thing, though, about Rumble, Rumble Rants is that you're actually going to have the opportunity with those Rumble Rants, to chip in a couple bucks, have a conversation with us, uh, and you can actually give us some feedback. That way we can interact with you. That is really my favorite part of the stream is those interactions, getting some live feedback. Sometimes you have perspectives that we simply don't have, and if we get to interact with you, we get to broaden our horizons a little bit, so that is wonderful. You can also support us by joining on Locals. Uh, Locals is an opportunity for you to follow us very much like any social media platform you'd see out there. But some of our exclusive content that's usually uh, paid walled or restricted, uh, some of the app content that you can access on Rebel News Plus as well, that's going to be uh, only discoverable on Locals. So join us on Locals.com and uh, support us that way as well. With that said, we can get into some of the stories of the day, um, and this is a big, big win here. Uh, court orders Yay. environment minister to unblock Rebel News founder Onyx. Drea, what do you think about this? Like you said, it's a huge, huge wings, or win. And as you see here, the CBC state broadcaster has had to report on it. Um, <laughs> you know, Ezra That's says that it's... Part. A, yeah, that is the sweetest part. If we look at um, what they say here. So already we have our dear convicted criminal uh, Gabal here uh, being ordered after two years. If you go to twitterlawsuit.com, uh, you can find out everything. But this has been a two-year battle for freedom of, I, I don't know if you'd call it freedom of, well, it's constitutional freedoms would be yeah. what it is. But essentially, this is a politician who has staff helping his Twitter account run and is censoring uh, Ezra Levant and, in a way, Rebel News. And so you have to hold these guys accountable. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing is you have these politicians basically spending the public purse 
on resources mm-hmm. to sort of build up their 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 fame effectively instead of what they're supposed to be doing social media letting people know as as a as a person you can do this if you have a private account but if this is your public account you are an official operating as an agent of the government and you can't just ban people you disagree with that's not how representative democracies work um not that yeah. we're exactly representative but they 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 profess that that's ex- that that's what they're aspiring to anyways but yeah so it, what what happened here and ultimately the ruling hinged on the fact that uh, banning of the posts limited his ability to engage in debate uh, on matters of public concern. And I certainly, I know for a number of politicians locally here, I have to have additional accounts. And there, some of them I haven't even interacted with, but they're, they're, yeah. they're politicians. Mayor, Mayor Gioti Gondek, for example, uh, will tweet stuff and I can't see it. People have to send it to me. I have to check alternative accounts. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty wild to see that this is what politicians have gone to. I absolutely understand if there's been threats or something like that, mm-hmm. but someone mm-hmm. disagreeing with you or posting your content with a, with a commentary, a journalist, a independent press accredited journalist, a mainstream uh, counterpoint that Rebel News is. Uh, it's incredible though, because this isn't just, this isn't the first win. These wins are starting to yeah. pile up. They try to exclude exactly. us from the leaders' debates. We've won several times in federal court. Uh, the, these things are just starting to pile up, and it's very refreshing to see the tide turning a little bit. Um, everyone's sensing this government's on the way out, but this extends beyond that. Like This decision is beyond the polls shrinking and everyone thinking Trudeau is on the way out. Um, this mm-hmm. goes back two years now, So, uh, and th- those victories on the leadership debates, those go back as well beyond this sort of downturn. So... Um, a lot of concerns over decisions and court rulings and all that stuff, but sometimes, just sometimes, they do get it right. But yeah, the sweet, the sweetest part of all of this is the fact that uh, CBC just had to report it, and they couldn't, they couldn't really put any spin on it to make it seem like anything other than a win. That was great. So while the courts That's- might be getting. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add one thing to that because I was like scanning and reading. It. I'm like, oh my gosh, they didn't even call him or Rebel News, a far-right sort of uh, news outlet. So you can see there's a shift there, too. I don't think the shift is uh, that they're finally just trying to be nice. I think it's just they're realizing, hey, Rebel News won here. Uh, Let's not mess around. Let's actually practice journalism and say what happened here. And it wasn't really inflamed on what they said, which is quite remarkable for the CBC. And uh, one of the things they mentioned is, all that he had to do was just simply mute Ezra. If he didn't want him commenting or other people saying he could have simply muted. And that was the big yeah. issue. And that's why I think he lost here. Right. So while some of the courts are getting it right, and apparently even CBC is managing to get it right, broken clock, right twice a day, I guess. But kudos to them for reporting it relatively straight. Um, right. Another field, there are other fields, certainly, and particularly in the sort of professional worlds, whether it be academic uh, colleges, whether it be colleges of physicians, or in this case, um, the College of Psychologists of Ontario, um, well, those those places, they're holding on a little more fervently to the old uh, early days of Trudeau ways where you can just bully people around, boss people around. You've no doubt heard of this story, uh, an opinion piece here coming out of the Financial Post, climate censorship is worse than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, censorship over opinions concerning whether we are in a climate emergency catastrophe, apocalypse, or even worse, has made headlines recently because of well-known travails of Jordan Peterson, who has been ordered by the College of Psychologists of Ontario to undergo re-education at the hands of social media expert uh, for an indefinite period at his own expense. 
Uh, the CPO mm-hmm. reprimanded Peterson for, among other things, remarks he made on Joe Rogan podcast concerning climate change policy, a subject that bears no relationship to his clinical practice as a psychologist. It, you know, this goes on. I encourage you to check out this article. It is worthwhile. But the crux of this is, I mean, the sentiment of like sending someone for re-education for not going along with, and this isn't like a, this isn't like a controversial, like radical opinion. They want, they want people to believe that saying maybe the climate change isn't quite what the government's saying. They want people to think that that's as radical as some extreme, extreme positions out there. That's what they would have you believe. And look at this for daring to question some policy, even on climate change to question how this government is addressing policy, which by the way, uh, the government's policies to address climate change are not effective. They're, they're, they're a money redistribution screen scheme that doesn't help the environment in any way, shape or form, but be, for daring to question their policies and those schemes that really aren't connected to the environment, uh, he has to go through re-education now. This is like Orwellian. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah, I don't think people really know how much censorship is surrounding the climate change stuff. We we know it when we talked about the COVID stuff. People saw that. They saw very directly on Facebook and things. But I remember uh, Michelle Sterling, who we've interviewed a few times from Friends of Science. Mm-hmm. I remember that they had a petition going a few years back where they were calling on Trudeau because hundreds of science were being censored. Um, about this topic. I know that YouTube has, um, at least at one point, I don't know if they still do because their terms and conditions are always changing. At one point, they had rules about what you can and cannot say about climate change. If you're going to, you know, deny any climate, I better be careful on what I'm going to say. I'm stopping myself, but you get what I'm saying. Um, And then also, even it's on the political, you know, spectrum we see in Canada. I know I've reported a few times about uh, who is now the leader of the Conservative Party of British Columbia, John Rustad. Um, And recently, I think I just put it in an article, one of the articles that mentioned, um, if you scroll down a bit, he was formerly for years a a member of the leader of the opposition party in B.C., um, the uh, BC United, which was formerly the BC Liberals, they just uh, changed their name, but he got booted out of uh, that caucus on his birthday, not because he said something about climate change, but because he retweeted uh, Greenpeace co-founder Patrick Moore, um, you know, just sort of challenging the narrative that we Mm. hear all the time. So you're seeing it on a political, um, you know, level like that so where else are we going to see it probably we're seeing it in schools as well so yeah, yeah. well and you you talked about the red deer uh uh, school trustee, or I believe it was, or administrator, um, who happened to be, happens to be the cousin of the the health minister Lagrange right now of the same last name. Um, but she basically shared, and we talked about this. Maybe not the best comparing directly to the Holocaust. Probably not the best idea if you're going to talk about the, the circumstance leading up to the Holocaust and how some of those things. You can make a subtle point there. But regardless, she shared a meme that was sort of juxtaposing radical progressive ideologies today and the radical in the minds of some villains in the past, progressive ideologies ideologies of, say, Mao Zedong or Adolf Hitler. Um, so she was comparing that. She retweeted a meme with kids holding flags, um, and she was basically canned over that. So you see it right across mm-hmm. the board. Um, it is mm-hmm. complete and totalitarian ideological indoctrination. And, and the concerning thing here is, and I want to, I know this is a sensitive topic and it's not one that we want to dwell on for too long, but the sentiment of denialism used to go back to, like, slavery or the holocaust or these horrific Mm -hmm. things and they're trivializing Mm -hmm. the notion of denialism by making it about things like 
carbon tax or vaccines. Right. Exactly. They, they're, they're making something serious. And, and to be fair, those questions are questions of science, not morals. And you are supposed to question medi yes. medicine's efficacy. You are supposed to question current government policies and taxes. Um, so using that language of denialism on those subjects, which is what progressives do, I find that incredibly troubling. Now, this, yeah. these, re these repercussions, this sort of sentiment, um, it, it extends beyond just the, the sort of realm of policies and politics and censorship. Um, the costs are starting to add up for normal Canadians. Daniel Smith the other day, I think, tweeted that like uh, new energy policies are going to increase uh, housing prices in Ontario, like $35,000. Uh, the Alberta report issued this story. Um, Fed's green building codes will attack up to $80,000 on new prices mm. for homes. Wow. So it, we are in the midst of a housing crisis, mm -hmm. not to mention there aren't enough, which these regulations and restrictions are going to slow down the manufacturing process. Uh, there's going to be less houses available because of these hangups. But there's also a crisis in that people cannot afford to live anywhere. It's double prong. This policy, these policies are, are, are making this worse on two fronts. Isn't this just wild? It is. It is. It says... Um, according to a senior fellow and economics professor at the University of Guelph, a mandated 65% reduction in energy consumption for new residential buildings translate to an extra 55000 on the average home, new home, and almost 80000 in BC, of course. Uh, we have more out there. And it, it says that, you know, there's no real benefit in terms of emissions and reductions. That's the most maddening part about this. And you're right, we're already in this crisis. We already have... Uh, people coming to the country in droves, expecting the Canadian dream and, and getting sorely disappointed when they get here. Um, with housing costs already a major concern for so many Canadians, Ottawa's new building energy efficiency regulations will increase the cost of housing even more. So this is, yeah, it's like give an inch, take a mile. They're just going mad with this. Yeah. And again, as someone who has some um, you know, a, a teen who's close to young adults, what does this mean to their future? Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, and it's like Mr. Sunny Ways. Well, the sun is setting and people are realizing that there's a long, dark night ahead. Things are brutal right now. I even know friends from my generation who didn't didn't buy early, weren't hustling right out of school and didn't get yeah. locked in on a mortgage on a reasonable rate. And it's horrifying right now. And it's like yeah. you. The, the thing here is, is this and I go back to this time and time again, but the whole sentiment of you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Uh, they rent is so high that you can't afford to save anything up. So you'll never be able to buy anything. Um, but then the rents keep going up. Sometimes the rent is even your rent is even more than your mortgage, but they have it set up so that you'll never be able to save enough. Thanks to other government policies that restrict what kind of mortgages you can access. Uh, it, it's devastating. And for people who are people who did it right, people who listened to the generation before us and said, okay, go, go to college, go to university, get a job. You're going to be able to take care of your family. Everything's going to be great. Well, you can have two people with college at university educations doing their very best, and you still might not be able to make ends meet. Not that long ago, $100,000 coming into a house was ample. You were comfortable. You could go to Disneyland every couple of years. Now you're barely making ends meet. You're, you might even be downsizing with that kind of money coming into a house, particularly in some of the more expensive cities. Uh, devastating. And this, this government, they need to stop. They're not making it better. They're making it worse at every single turn.
know, I mean, on the right side, I guess people catch in and the people come together for change. But what will be the cost in the meantime? I saw a meme. I'm just quickly adding it to the chat. This isn't the exact meme, but this is the picture where that was used for the meme. And it's Steve Carell <laughs> depressed on a swing. And um, we can put it on the screen. But basically it said, uh, you know, me as an adult realizing that in grade nine, I should have been buying a home. And that's the reality for, you know, people depending on their age. It's like, you know, they didn't have the time to be just in their young 20s and whatever. Yeah. And oh, even the rental market out here in BC is insane. Oh, people yeah. are in droves to rent a property in Vancouver or the nearby suburbs. The owners don't live here. Often they live in China. So it's like rental agencies and there's all these weird restrictions. Like it will be a five bedroom home, but they'll be like, we don't want more than four people living there. Or um, or we're seeing a lot of just individual rooms being rented out too. So something has to give here uh, when it comes to the living situation. It's a problem that we can't ignore and we can't have the climate uh, you know, narrative adding to that struggle. Exactly. And it, it goes on. There's another story here. Uh, the government's $28.2 billion investment for EV plants will take 20 years to break even. They won't break even, but sure, they'll take 20 years. That's assuming everything goes right, not five as Ottawa suggested. The amount of government money that, and I, by government money, I retract that, the amount of taxpayers' money that is just given out to rich folks it's so funny that mm. Jagmeet Singh, the Trudeau liberals, would say that they're for the middle class and they're going to stop oh, making gosh. the rich rich. The, the the conservatives will cut taxes on people who are going to make their own money. The liberals mm. and Jagmeet Singh literally give billions of dollars to billionaires. That's what they do. They, they, they envision themselves as Robin Hood, except they're stealing from the poor. They're stealing from the middle class working people. They're stealing from people who yeah. barely pay their taxes and giving to the rich. Uh, Pierre Polyev for the Conservatives, at least in concept, what they want to do is cut everybody's taxes. So yes, the rich are going to get richer, but you and I are also going to get richer. That's the intention exactly. is, is give, give more people more money, not steal money from the people who need it and give it to grocery chains to change all their fridges over and electric vehicle companies to build new mega factories. Um, we're all for companies building, growing and investing, but I mean, it should be with their own money. Because we don't get the profits, yeah. we don't get the benefits out of this. It's it's wild, but yeah, th this is it in the in the hysterical climate of climate hysteria. <laughs> that mm -hmm. that this is what happens is 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 you don't ask any questions. Billions of dollars can go to this. Look the other way. It's wild. Have you got your EV yeah. car yet? Have you gone all in? Uh, you know, it's tempting. I would I wouldn't go EV, but hybrid. You know, yeah. it's pretty hard out here. Sometimes the gas gets so high, like $2. I think the highest was $2.20 and stuff. And I drive a lot for work. But, you know, it's all everybody knows when you look into, you know, the energy cars are not any better for the environment. Somebody did a documentary. It was so good. Uh, and it followed a plastic bag. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Let us know in the comments. You also can be a part of this um, on Rumble or Odyssey, but it followed a plastic bag. And basically what we're doing is we're feeling so good about ourselves, what we're doing. And then we're just dumping our, our, uh, you know, plastic off in a, a third world country and paying them to shut up about, yeah. about it while it's just mounted well, selling there. Them cool. so it's all a well, fraud. And cool. yeah, the number one is we already talked about is the censorship. If it was legit, it wouldn't be censored. There would be open yeah, debate exactly. and discussion so we could collaboratively come up with the best solution on how to take care of the planet. That's an important thing. Um, but yeah. as soon as there's this unrealistic fear uh, that's put over the people to you know, make them pay more taxes, obviously something's wrong. 
So we were giving the CBC a little bit of credit when we started off this segment. That's going to turn <laughs> I know. rapidly now. Rapidly now. And we're fair. We're objective, unlike some folks. Um, before we get to an ad break, I really quickly want to look at this. We can just pull up the tweet. We don't even need the article um, from CBC. We got the article. That's fine, too. High indoor temperatures are dangerous, especially when there's no relief at night. So now the indoor temperatures, like the climate change fear, the outdoor temperatures, all the grids going red. Now it's the indoor temperatures too. But it sounds a lot like they're advocating for air conditioning here, which which people used to be able to afford um, in the yeah. real world. But now not only is climate change affecting the outdoor temperatures, it's affecting the indoor temperatures. Um, it just nonstop with this. Yeah, I get it. When it's hot outside, it's hot inside. But uh, we've always known that it being really hot inside is probably not great for for your health, especially if you're old and sick. But uh, yeah. on that note, we've got a, we've got a, a, a banger of a CBC article to come back to. But before that, we're going to jump to a commercial break. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. Like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus New World Sun, just off a European tour. And the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the freedom train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Okay, does that, that not fun. look like the... Yeah, that looks so cool. I wish I was going to be in Niagara. I believe it. it's on the 25th. Yeah, the 25th of November. Obviously, it's going to sell out so fast. Uh, Rebel News is actually hosting it. So you're going to see some of the rebels there and things like that. But snatch that up. How cool is that? I mean, we see her with such grace and class as she's entering and leaving the courtroom. Now she's going to be rocking the house. I I was uh, privy to hear her, uh, you know, do her uh, guitar. And little, I'm not really good with instruments, but she was great. So I had a little sneak peek. Um, yeah, don't miss that. And it's by our great friends with Freedom Passport that are also putting that on. Um, so let me see. I think, it, yeah, it's going to be at the Niagara on the Lake Central Community Center live performance. You go to freedompassport.ca slash concert. Freedompassport.ca slash concert that's going to sell out fast i'm so jealous <laughs> yeah no that looks like an absolute blast it's so much fun to like so often whether you consider yourself part of the freedom movement whether you're politically active whether you're one of the people who sort of lost everything because of covid restrictions and, and vaccine mandates when, when you can get together and just have fun and party um, i've had the opportunity to spend some time yeah. with some of these people that we see in news stories in sort of fun environments whether it's like a rebel screening uh, a rebel event or even out at local wrestling whatever it may be to see them in sort of a different environment it humanizes everybody and makes makes uh, what's yeah. happened it puts it into perspective and it's fun uh, another opportunity that is coming up in another event that's going to be a lot of fun uh it's being called the conservative event of the year ben shapiro is one of the best conservative commentators in the world his live appearances are legendary for showcasing his quick thinking and stalwart defense of common sense principles Facts don't care about feelings in a nutshell. He's the host of the Ben Shapiro Show, a syndicated columnist, lawyer, best-selling author, and America's most watched pro-life advocate. 
known for his ingenious debates, jaw-dropping opinions, and relentless ability to tackle the hottest cultural topics of our time, the Wilberforce Project will host Ben on November 16th in Calgary, and early tickets are available now if you use the code REBEL. You can visit benshapirolive.ca for tickets. Again, that's November 16th. I think that thing is going to sell out quick. Um, you're going to yeah. see lots of sort of, uh, I, I believe this is his first time coming to Canada as a speaker, period. Um, so this is a, a really big event. Um, wherever you sit on Ben Shapiro, I mean, he is one of the most active, engaging people advocating for sort of a anything resembling social conservatism in the world today. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I'm going to be there. I am very much looking forward to it. And we're hoping to see many of you there as well. Do you think you might make the trip over for that one? I'll go in a heartbeat. It's a brilliant mind <laughs> yeah. with with a, a squeaky voice, but I've gotten used to it over the years. <laughs> but definitely <laughs> worth seeing. And what better way to trigger a liberal than to buy a ticket to see Ben Shapiro, ben Shapiro. live in Canada? It's like I don't two think for there's one. a better way. <laughs> yeah. You get a ticket, you trigger a liberal, and <laughs> you get to see Ben Shapiro. We'll be at the event too. So if you're coming, you're going to get to talk to us, meet us. It's going to be good. Uh, uh, maybe Drea, hopefully coming, I'll definitely be there. And I know I'd we've got to. some other folks coming as well. Um, so we are looking forward to that. Moving on with the news. Now, this is a very sad story, but I I just wanted to talk about it because the, the journalism here is utterly irresponsible. So we'll read through this article. Uh, Indigenous father of two killed by RCMP in Revelstoke was likely trying to get home, says sister. Uh, the man shot and killed by RCMP last month following reports of a stolen vehicle in Revelstoke was a young Indigenous man trying to get home to Manitoba in time for his son's birthday, according to his sister. Gary Pash Jr., excuse the pronunciation, 23, a member of the Long Plain First Nation, was visiting BC to help a relative move back to Portage-la-Prairie. Um, she, uh, The sister said that her brother was a vibrant kid, always smiling, always happy. Gary loved to work on his motorcycles and four-wheelers, Melissa said, and he hunted and fished to help feed his family, bring home elk and deer. Never had a bad day. Always loved everyone. Always gave everyone hugs. So we're 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 two thirds of the way through the article. Yeah. Um, Before we Patrick get to the fact, following re- reports of a stolen vehicle, goes on mm-hmm. BC Independence Investigation Office civilian led. They're investigating. Still going. Uh, Melissa said Gary's visit was taking longer than he expected and wanted to get back to his young daughter and son. Uh, the last thing she heard from her younger brother. To- so we're still going. Yeah. And then with that, the family, who's the, obviously. Toward, yeah. yeah. That's why I think he stole the vehicle. We're, we're more than halfway through the article, and then they finally acknowledge this guy did steal the vehicle, was involved in an on-foot police chase, then tried to steal a police vehicle while escaping. Unless you read this entire article, you'd believe some guy was just trying to get home in his own vehicle. There was a confusion about yeah. whether a vehicle had been stolen. No, he engaged in, in an altercation with police, tried to steal their vehicle, right. it seems. Um, now, you hope for de-escalation. You don't want this to happen. It's a tragedy. Condolences yeah. to the family, obviously, as well as the officer who were put in this terrible situation. But it, for me, it's this journalism. They're, they're going yeah. all the way down before they engage. And you can see impacts on the vehicles. There's pictures, everything here. You have to you have to report on this responsibly because what it does is it creates, and we're going to talk about police responsibilities in a minute here, so don't get me wrong, but it creates an environment of hostility and anger, as we saw with, say, residential school discoveries, that this env- that this yeah. community feels unduly targeted 
And when you put an article like this and you're you're completely skirting the facts, if if it wasn't a group that CBC is overly sensitive towards, they would have laid the facts at the top and then put some context. They spent they 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 put the the peanut butter down first and then they slapped a bagel on top at the very end. They did this one uh, backwards. But how, just how common is this this sort of sort of spinning of stories to not present them as they exist in reality? Well, no, I think you hit a lot on the nail there. I mean, let's start with the journalism. Now, obviously, like you said, this is a tragedy. And who better to explain that than a family member? So they're leaning so heavy with the emotional side over the facts, which is, you know, the sister who's grieving the loss of her brother and saying the good things about him. Obviously, she's going to say that. But leading with that and leading in the title, studies already show that the average person doesn't even make it through an article. They make it to the title and like the subheading. And if you're lucky, another couple of sentences. So you're right. They're going to walk away with this impression that there is literally no logical reason behind, uh, you know, this death here that's happened. And so the first thing goes to shame on the CBC for pushing, you know, something that isn't that, you know, no police officer wants to kill someone i mean there can be brutality but for the most part they're serving and protecting and risking their lives to do so they're running towards danger like a pursuit mm-hmm. um to protect other people and they a lot of them have to go when something like this happens they have ptsd to deal with it's hard for them to deal with their own family so it, it's a loss on all sides and it, it's like you said you mentioned the unmarked grave claims another thing that's been called denialism if you dare to question those claims that are popping up, we're seeing that they were not accurate, especially with the ground penetrating radar, um, uh, which can't find it, as you know. Uh, but it reminded me, I was trying to find the, um, oh, I think I just found it, but it reminds me of, you know, the pregnant woman. Some of you might have heard recently, I think last week, she was 21 years old in the in US. Her name is Tatkaya, I think. And she was pregnant and she was shot. Um, I can add this to Slack trigger warning i mean you don't actually like see her die or anything like that but trigger warning i just said she was pregnant and she shot i'll let the producers decide if they want to show the body cam but the same thing you saw um news coming out and even when the body cam shows um that was released quite quickly i will say in this matter i think that was done on purpose so the police go like you know we did not just shoot a black pregnant woman Um, but they showed the body cam, they release it and they show that she actually, you know, she's been accused of stealing inside of the store there. She will not get out of the car, um, on officers in front of the car saying, stop, get out. And she starts driving into the officer. And I've seen so many, uh, articles come out where they're only showing, like, there's two different angles of body cam. They'll only show the one angle where it's like, you don't even see she's coming towards the officer. <clears throat> and you just hear the shots and it's like yeah. so crazy that and it's so it's so wrong and so evil to cause sort of civil unrest over these things so it is frustrating to see this because if there is negligence if there is brutality we need to address that but when you start a, a you know you, calling that or making things look like that when it's not then people don't even take the issue seriously when it really is so we see that over and, and over in many examples you're dead on there. And the other issue is, is there is like opinion journalism discussing like yeah. policies 
But on, on instances of like alleging violence or, or characterizing an incident as it unfolded, which we've seen many outlets do mischaracterize those things, that is completely unacceptable in journalism. It's unethical. Um, and mm -hmm. so we, we see events like this happening all the time. Like, for example, you look at the depictions in media and the, the, the bogus stories that were run about the Freedom Convoy, which is by almost every metric the most peaceful protest in human history. Mm -hmm. They're going around cleaning up as they went. Maybe the decibels were a bit loud from the honking, but <laughs> yeah. the news there was some the annoying parts. That, yeah, the news about that was was brutal. And then you literally have people trying to run over cops, and it's like, well, we're gonna lead in soft. We're gonna lead in soft. Like the equivalent of the Freedom Convoy would have been like like six paragraphs about how this is good and essential and everything, and then one little line being like, and like there was a bit of honking. Like that's that would yeah. have been the CBC if they were applying the same standards of advertising, uh, which I'm going to call it advertising for the government, not journalism, uh, to their mm -hmm. reporting. Uh, it isn't just the media, though. It, uh, I'm going to turn to a story now with uh, Calgary police. I don't know how familiar you are. Um, this is a neighborhood, basically one or two neighborhoods away from me that this happened in. But 18-year-old uh, Danilo Canales Glenn was playing basketball. Um, and the details at this point, we don't have all of them, so I don't want to speculate. But playing basketball, um, he was effectively then bear sprayed and stabbed repeatedly, to the best mm -hmm. of my understanding. Uh, he did pass mm -hmm. away. And this is, I, I visited the memorial. I know people who taught him. Um, so it is a heartbreaking story. Um, now, the people yeah. uh, who, who were guilty uh, of, of this crime, or at least have been accused, rather, I mean, they have video evidence. It seems pretty open and shut. Um, one is 18, mm -hmm. one is 16. They're not revealing the uh the names of the individuals because i guess they are brothers so revealing the name of the 18 year old would reveal the name of the 16 year old mm -hmm. effectively mm -hmm. you know i looked mm -hmm. into this because i was seeing if there was some politicking going on and i guess with whether it's domestic abuse or cases where siblings are involved yeah. this is a fairly common practice so i did want to check yes. into that um charges laid they did get them rather quickly but i i just want to go back and talk a little bit about um the intentional omission, it's not a key issue now because they've been caught, but they put out detailed descriptions, the Calgary police, mm -hmm. of the individuals involved. And they included eye color, the brands of the fanny packs not they this. were wearing, <laughs> uh, hair color, the every item of clothing they were wearing, but they would not include race. They no. would not mention skin color. And yeah. to me... One, it's irresponsible because it prompts a lot of speculation. But two, it's mm -hmm. underlyingly racist because if it was Caucasians, they would have said Caucasians. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe it, it, maybe they it is. They would lead with white. Yeah. If they aren't, I'm, I apologize. I don't know. I haven't looked. I haven't. Uh, they're clearly concealing these people, uh, people's identities. But if you have, it should say Caucasian. It's, it should mm -hmm. say black. It should say, because they're looking for people who murdered exactly. a kid who was playing basketball. And not only did they get into a fight and it, it kind of got out of hand or it was an accident, they, they had bear spray or pepper spray and they had knives and they went and started this conflict with an individual. Um, then when they're looking for the people, they have all the details, but they intentionally omit like, and it's yeah. not just me. It, every tweet was like, um, any more details? Are you missing anything? They've clearly politicized this, and that's the reason mm -hmm. they're not saying that while a family is mourning, waiting for answers. It's yeah, brutal. Yeah, it's so shameful. I, I mean, I've, I've seen that many times before. I can't think of something off the top of my head, but where you follow it, and sure enough, it's usually, if you go to 
um, you know, a news that isn't, you know, working for the state, then you'll see the face. Actually, I, I just thought of one and it was um, the mass, the massacre um, in an Asian church, I think during um, Chinese New Year this year, in the beginning of this mm. year. Uh, the original reports that came out, they did not say, a lot of them did not say the color of the person, which is a red flag. Mm -hmm. That means they're probably not white because if a white person walks in and shoots a bunch of Asian people, it's a bunch of hate crime. And um, these our BC premier, uh, David Eby, of course, uh, jumped on that whole situation. And when he was at an event in the lower mainland, he actually attributed to hate. When in reality, it was an Asian man who had done that shooting. But because yeah. they omit the face and they don't say anything about the race, his mind, our own premier, just went to hate. And then he apologized for hate against Asians and used um, that massacre as an example of such. So now you don't just have the news coming. And this is out of the States. It's not Canadian. And he's getting it so wrong. So you don't have the news omitting something as important like that to make people believe something that has been happening. You have premiers of the province saying to people who maybe haven't been following the story as closely themselves and confirming that it was a hate crime when it wasn't. So, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, it's brutal. And it's just there, there's no place for it. Like if, if you're concerned that people are going to say you're racist for describing accurately the race of people you are looking for, don't worry about it. Those people are unhinged. Like, it's, it's not racist to apply the same standard. It wouldn't matter if they were Asian or Caucasian or Black or Hispanic. It, it's an accurate description of a yeah. person. Saying that is not illegal. It's not racist. I'm white. Drea's not. That's okay. That's not racist. We can observe these things. Especially if I was saying, I'm looking for my friend Drea. You, you might say Adam's a tall guy with a beard. He's white. Okay, that's a decent description. I might I might use key defining features about you to describe you. Mm -hmm. It's not racist. And we've come to the point in yeah. society where, and the funny thing is I was in Brazil and I've talked about this before, um, and they were bringing back like just saying black and saying white and acknowledging yeah. people's, because there, there's sort of an underlying racism. They, there's still an underlying like thought that it's bad to point that out, I think is an underlying thing here. People have like a sort of yeah. secret reverse racism where they don't want to mention it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, well, as obviously I've experienced that where people are like struggling with what to call me. And I'm like, you can just say black. But a lot of people will say like, oh, you're African-American or you're African-Canadian and I'm not African. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I prefer black. I don't think anybody really gets offended, um, you know, about being called black. And if they do, they're certainly of the minority, but it, it's, it's all silly that we're doing this and it's not safe. It's not safe to do this. And it gives this impression that one life is more valuable than another. Like, oh my gosh, it was a black person who died. Like it, it's, <laughs> if you're brutally murdered, then that's the story. It doesn't really matter like what race you are, what the color of your skin is. It's the story of how tragic the loss is and how unjust it was. Um, but, but we're so focused on these racial Pol uh, politics it's ridiculous and and the news yeah. just falls in line yeah it's wild now you talked about uh your your uh alleged boss man we're going to talk about him in a little bit uh bc premier um david yeah. evie but first let's let's look at someone who's doing something different in response to this as opposed to coming out now this isn't directly in response but we do see uh a clear seeming response from this government when incidents like this unfold uh daniel smith 
came out with this tweet. The lawman will also scrap a brainwave brought in by previous NDP government where prosecutors performed a triage on criminal cases, taking on some, dropping others. So in essence here, what we're talking about is this, this catch and release Oh, it's not worth prosecuting these people. Let them get away with crime mentalities that, by the way, in the United States have led to those circumstances where people think they don't have to listen to cops can steal and just drive away and run over cops and there's not going to be any consequences. That mentality, this sort of triage of oh, it's not worth enforcing the laws here. And you you legitimately see like you, you can if you're if you're a businessman downtown and you you have to relieve yourself on the side of the road in a critical situation, you'll absolutely be ticketed. <laughs> But if you're a homeless person defecating in the middle of the street while eating a hamburger, yeah. which we recently saw in Edmonton, it's just like, oh, well, that's fine. That's fine. Hell There's yeah. this absurd double standard. So uh, Daniel Smith um, uh, going to uh, scrap this sentiment of enforcing some things while not enforcing others. Uh, this this idea that bad actors in Alberta will be targeted. Mickey Amory, the justice minister, uh, also followed up with Albertans deserve to feel safe and protected in their communities to go about their business in the downtown core without fear. That is a concern. The downtown core does mm -hmm. not feel safe right now. Our government's introduced new measures to strengthen the justice system and to make sure criminals, especially violent repeat offenders, are held accountable for their actions. Um, uh, he was joined by Mike Ellis. Um, and a number of other people, I'm Archie, uh, Sohi, uh, the mayor of Edmonton, community partners to announce new initiatives to protect our communities, including the creation of a new targeted prosecution units in Edmonton and Calgary, Ch changes to the bail practice protocol, as well as limiting the triage practice protocol. So that is so good. The whole catch and release, you, you mm -hmm. commit a serious crime and you're back on the street that afternoon committing serious crime again. Uh, it seems finally that that is going to come to an end. We talk about this sometimes, but what, what's what's the contrast here compared to BC and other parts of the country? Well, obviously in Vancouver, for example, we have places that don't feel safe as well, in particular our east side of Vancouver. Um, and you're right, there's definitely a double, double standard of what you see happens, um, you know, in areas like that. It, to a certain degree, I get it. They can't just go around arresting everybody when it's happening 24-7. But it's like if you jaywalk in that area, like you're probably going to get in a lot of trouble. Um, and, you know, this is a little bit of a different topic. But one thing I have reported on where I saw a complete double standard is, um, you know, how people when they claim to be, um, you know, that they identify as transgender, how they can get away with things in the courts. And that's mm -hmm. something, um, you know, as soon as they maybe they'll assault someone and then they'll say, oh, it's because they're, uh, you know, they're a uh, transphobe or something. And then they keep yeah. getting these excuses. Perhaps the most prominent case that case is uh, I've reported on is good old um, Jessica Simpson, formerly known as Jonathan. And even fact, I, you know, I just realized right now it's been a while since I said that name, but we have a whole bunch of articles. If you go to univetrial.com, um, where we have covered just how much this individual who preyed on immigrant women who assaulted our former colleague, Kian Bextie, while he was reporting for asking questions. I mean, and how lenient the courts were with this violent individuals, uh, inappropriate sexual conduct with minors. I mean, you name it. And over yeah. and over and over, they slap this individual on the head because he would claim that he's bullied or what have you. Um, you know, uh, Eneve even tried to sue Rebel and lost that. That got tossed out. So, yeah, if yeah. you want uh, something spicy to have uh, popcorn or coffee with, go to UnivTrial.com. But that is definitely one of the examples where I see oh, yeah. Um, you know, a difference in double standard. 
I, I was uh, I was working at the Justice Center uh, while those while they were in gar- engaged in litigation there, and I remember one of the things, if I believe correctly, um, and I, I believe it's in the public record now, so I, I, no, I don't think it's embargoed. We're good, yeah, because it's been posted publicly. I've read this publicly as well, but uh, there was a point where I was at, I was uh, uploading some of the case files, um, and there was a point in the court where they insisted that the lawyer refer to it. And if there's children in the room, maybe cover their ears. But yeah. for Jessica Simpson, they, the, the judge was like, can you please say her penis? Uh, they oh, insisted that the lawyers say her penis so... when they were discussing court proceedings. And I was I was typing. I'm, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> but no. Anyways, that's another story all together. Oh, yes. The compelled Coming speech back to... in the courts over that issue <laughs> is nuts. It's wild. Uh, coming back to David Ebby. Um, BC Premier David Mm -hmm. Ebby says he is white hot angry gee willikers uh, that the man (laughs) charged in a triple stabbing in Vancouver's Chinatown was out a day on a day pass from a psychiatric hospital despite his history of knife attacks and murder. You know, this is the thing that really gets me. We saw pastors being like, I don't think I'm going to exclude people from my church. That's not what Jesus wants me to do. It's like, oh, we're not going to release you. You're going to be stuck in jail for 54 days, weeks, multiple Mm -hmm. arrests whatever it may be, we're going to lock down your church. But then you see like all these notices about violent offenders being released and people getting out on day passes, um, violent criminals, literally the day of getting like thousand dollar bail and being out in the street, sex offenders. Like, I mean, I'm happy to see, I, we, we know Saskatchewan's falling suit. Some of the other provinces and territories starting to sound an awful lot like Alberta. Um, is this a bit of that saying that there's a need for reform and, and that, that, that BC maybe has they're soft on crime policy isn't working yeah no for sure there i mean that's what i think um the sort of opposing parties are kind of coming out and giving statements i mean i actually agree with bb here i'm not sure what white hot angry means but i mean this guy his name is blair evan donnelly 64 years old uh he's in custody and charged with three counts of aggravated assault so you know stabbing three people stabbing not shooting let's uh Let's remember that for a second there. But in 2008, stabbing with he guns, was... though, right? Stabbed with guns. <laughs> yeah, stabbing with them. But in 2008, Donnelly was found not criminally responsible for killing his 16-year-old daughter, Stephanie, because of a mental disorder. And this person is just walking around. And so th- this is livid. This should absolutely not be happening. And walking around by themselves, not even with, you know, some sort of chaperone or things like that into the community so they could do this and wreak terror again. Um, as far as, you know, pushing for new policies in this area, I know the Conservative Party of BC, um, who's starting to uh, come on the sort of on the rise a little bit there. Actually, I just did a report about how a poll just showed that they're surpassing in support with Intel subscribers from Main Street Research, uh, surpassing the opposition party, which is the BC United. But, you know, the Conservative Party of the BC has of BC has been saying, hey, we need to push back on the crime. Um, and now we're starting to see, I got an email, so I don't know, I don't think we can show this, but I did get an email from the BC United saying we need to be tougher on this kind of stuff. So it's like, why, why do you have to wait until something like that for the BC United to be like, now it's time, but this is unacceptable. This should not be happening. So sad. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting, the, uh, the Alberta approach to, uh, now that we've talked about crime, let's talk about recovery, addictions, um, by contrast to the madness mm-hmm. of safe supply. 
Um, now, you, we saw an overall trend of decreased deaths. There's been a couple months, months that have been a bit off in Alberta, but generally the trend is good. Um, but to actually look at the direct statistics on safe supply programs, um, and this is coming from True North uh, data on safe supply drug programs, shows increase in deaths six months after British mm -hmm. Columbia decriminalized simple possession of all drugs. Statistics show that drug overdoses are projected to hit an all-time high by the end of the year. Despite this data released, Toronto is still moving towards decriminalizing possessions, possession of all drugs as well, according to the Toronto yeah. Sun. The city of Toronto has requested an exemption from federal drug laws pushed by Chief Medical Officer Dr. Eileen Davila and Police Chief Myron Demke. Uh, supported by council, Toronto's uh, request encompasses an even wider range of drugs than what has been decriminalized in BC. Who on earth? I'm sorry, but this is just malarkey. And to, to you, I'm white hot angry about this. Um, to you, Minister Evie's language. Look, look around. Like these people literally don't leave their ivory towers um, and look at the world. Like as more as you have safe injection sites and safe supply and you decriminalize drugs, everywhere looks like East Hastings. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. every downtown corner is starting to look like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And and, and th there's such a disconnect. Like, I don't even need the statistics to know the government handing out drugs and the government decriminalizing drugs across the board is not effective. Don't get me wrong. I get the war on drugs is not a winning strategy. It, it generally mm -hmm. hasn't mm -hmm. been. But this is a tacit endorsement saying that oh, it's fine. It's just fine. Just go for it. And that's it, thing, it doesn't yeah. work. And you can see it on the streets everywhere that does this turns into like Portland or turns into San Francisco mm -hmm. with the tent cities. This is the outcome of these policies. Why are they doing this? No, you're right. And, and also just from an enabling perspective, I mean, some things are supposed to have stigma and consequences. Again, you can't be locking up everybody who's using drugs or things like that, but the government shouldn't also be like, here you go. And, and watching these uh, overdoses going up and up and pretending like it's a good thing. And then other governments repeat. This is very concerning. We are missing the mark on so many levels. I've said it before. I do have experience with working with people with co-occurring disorders. That's people who struggle with addiction and mental health uh, together. And that is the vast majority of people you're going to see in these areas using these sort of facilities and things like that. It is people who are dealing with mental health issues, trauma, and addiction. So you are not helping unless you are having a full multi-pronged approach and it's just going to keep building and building. And people who, who live in that sort of um, field, some of them, you know, some of them don't even want homes. That's the reality. Yeah. Some of them don't want to follow rules where they have to be in by 10, 10 at night and things like that. So they start migrating to certain areas, um, you know, where, you know, you can get the free drugs or your people there. And like I've said before, you also don't stop using, like you don't stop using just because you're getting something clean over here. Um, we saw an example of that with um, the, the man who tried to open up or did open up in Vancouver. Um, he yeah. opened up sort of like a instant, hey, buy your drugs here. And he's like, if the government's doing it, why can't I? And he wanted to do clean drugs. And then sadly, he himself overdosed as well. Yeah. So uh, let's stop ignoring this. If we really want to help save lives, we need a different approach. Well, I know Minister uh, Mike Ellis here in Alberta, he pointed out that those clean drugs are worth more and cost more. So they'll take them from the government, sell them to like 
kids from universities whose bank accounts are doing just fine because they're safe, and then they'll buy cheap drugs and their drug of preference anyways. So you're effectively just providing more. The drug of preference. If you're going to give them a drug that isn't the high that they need, they're going to take it. And they're very resourceful. They are very, some of the money, like it is impressive. You you talk to some people who are homeless and their their life is just about drugs. And you ask them how much money they make to keep up with their habit. It's like well over a hundred thousand years. Some of them, Um, they're very resourceful. So so if you're going to get free drugs and it's not their drug of choice, they're not going to waste that opportunity. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Uh, We're going to take a quick ad break. Then we're going to come through and get through all the rest of our stories here before the uh, hour wraps up. Hopefully maybe we'll go a bit over. We'll see. Ad break. Do you want to start feeling like your pre COVID self again? you're not alone. The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health/rebel today. Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, it's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices at piavpn.com slash rebelnews. Well, welcome back. Uh, I want to rip through a few of these stories because we want to get to them all. And there's some good ones to talk about really I'm really excited going. about one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, you're, you're spamming memes in our, our conversation <laughs> right now for those at home. Uh, quickly, though, let's look at this. We talked about the re-education of Jordan Peterson. Now, now let's look at this tweet about books being banned uh, or rather being removed from Peel, uh, Peel District uh, School board shelves. This is the new book burning and removing books from libraries. We've become a very sterilized and docile society. We no longer burn books. We just remove um, them from access. Um, Except so for the, the ones book, we should remove. Exactly. <laughs> so you can have, you can have like disgusting pornography for children uh, in schools yeah. and, and, and that's, that's fine. That's, that's a okay. Pushing gender ideology, confusing kids, completely inappropriate conduct, drag story hour in libraries. That's all completely fine. But Anne Frank's diary, Harry yeah. Potter, the hunger games, that's... the very hungry caterpillar. Like, <laughs> what did the caterpillar do? <laughs> These are just this some is... of the books removed from uh, Peel district uh, school shelves on this new equity based selection process like yeah. this is this isn't like uh yeah well i guess that's not age appropriate or what this is like just the very hungry caterpillar like what what is there there what is the you logic know i haven't behind? read that book but it yeah. seems like you know how is the caterpillar offending people but i'm yeah. offended by anne frank being removed and i'm not even jewish like what is going on here that that yeah. seems shocking yeah. to me that that would be a book taken off of the the library is here and you hit it on the nail with what you're talking yeah. about. We report on this often at stopclassroomgrooming.com. It's a great resource yeah. for you to share articles, to uh, let other parents know. But the stuff that is getting on the shelves in schools is completely, yeah. it's repulsive. Actual sexual acts being shown to little kids um, and being labeled as 
uh, you know, diversity and inclusive. And then meanwhile, see you, Anne Frank. We've got no uh, no more room for you. I mean, it's like yeah. Aunt Jemima all over again, uh, yeah. getting rid of her get, and her get, legacy for the woke cause. Um, get that Harriet Tubman poster off the wall. And yeah. until no <laughs> thank you. Uh, get them out of here right away. It's why that like and it, that, that's the range. It's like like you take you take someone who's sort of like a the one of the sort of and I mean I I'm, I'm using this term non facetiously but like a poster of a uh, poster child for like victimized marginalized communities just surviving and you remove the book from the libraries. The other thing too is these yeah. shelves are apparently now empty, so it's not like they're like cycling in books. They're literally like like removing books there. Um, Melissa Lanceman also weighed in on this. Uh, libraries yeah. have become the newest target by a movement that claims to pursue equity while actually practicing authoritarianism. Uh, book banning is a heck of a step into the dark ages. There was, by the way, the books in the dark ages were way better and they were actually incredibly well written and <laughs> readily available and probably engaged in ideas on a level that our, our modern enlightened age couldn't couldn't fathom to comprehend. But regardless... Um, this is a step into authentic dark ages, certainly yeah. uh, modern day book burning, and it's with everything from Anne Frank to the to the to a hungry caterpillar. It's it's it, that that's a gamut of books to be removing. Wild. Who's read um, the Hungry Caterpillar? Let us know in the comments. Like, is there? Can you even think of where they were coming from? With why that? Needs like, to maybe be he's not environmental. I don't. <laughs> probably. <laughs> maybe they, maybe, that's probably maybe exactly. No, nobody eats the bug. They want us eating bugs, and nobody eats the bug. I don't know what 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 could it be? We'll see. Maybe some folks have thoughts out there. Um, this is a wild story, and I want to talk about the reaction. Uh, cockroaches, previous violations, a kitchen used by Calgary daycares as E. coli outbreak toll climbs to two hundred sixty four. So there's uh, so many people from daycares across the city all using the same place, um, and, and this is a facility that has had. E. coli outbreaks. I, I don't understand why it hasn't been shut down, to be perfectly exactly. honest. I suspect it will be now. But the, they're trying to spin this as though it's the, the provincial government's fault. I Should there have been more? I mean, maybe blame AHS for not shutting this place down categorically. But yeah. everyone's trying to score political capital on people getting sick because this gross business that has numerous warnings against it already continue yeah. to do malpractice and, and people are seriously sick and hospitalized over this. None of the tweets have been like, hold this company accountable. It's... None of the tweet. Uh, there's been some tweets about concern over the children, but most of what I'm seeing on social media is like attacking the newly appointed health minister who just took on the job. Stop trying to score political capital on very serious circumstances like this, yeah. though I suppose scoring political capital on, uh, semi-tragic or or at least difficult circumstances is what liberals do best. So that is not a surprise. Um, in order to get to everything, because I know there's stuff you want to talk about, we'll skip over the article <laughs> here, but Justin Trudeau is heading home from <laughs> India after being delayed by tra by plane troubles. Um, this is so funny to me, but let's, let's watch so this fun. video um, from uh, media in India talking about Justin Trudeau. I think why on media? I think oh, it's say. so good. Yeah. How long does it take to fly down a plane from Canada, especially if you are the Prime Minister of the country? For Justin Trudeau, it took two days, two whole days. He was set to leave India on Sunday after the G20 summit, but he was stranded here till 1pm IST. Why? His plane broke down, so he delayed his return by some 48 hours. Can the head of a country really afford to lose that kind of time? Was Trudeau in no rush to leave India? Let's discuss.
Trudeau planned to fly back to Canada on September the 10th, but his flight Airbus CC-150 Polaris suffered a maintenance problem, a glitch. Canada's Department of National Defence said that the plane needed a component to be replaced. It also said that a replacement aircraft was being sent to India to bring Trudeau home. But the plane never came. Reports said it was diverted to the UK. Why? It wasn't clear. Ultimately, the Airbus was fixed. We don't want him. Trudeau and his delegation left, but not without raising some eyebrows. We, you can Is watch this, this for yourself. We, yeah, given yeah. that time's it's... wrapping up, I just like love how India is like, why won't you go away? Like they're like, how long does it take? Just go. You know what he could have done is he could have taken his golf cart um, and it sat with his perfect posture. Yeah, I, I just put that video. in the chat. Yeah, yeah. let's put it, this it, on. It's... Meanwhile, meanwhile, they, while they're trying to get rid of him, we're not showing up to pick him up. This is Trudeau. Can we get the image on? I've been laughing at this image. It's circulating. I don't know what's happening Can here. Why Canada's... is this man sitting Canada's unwanted stepchild. You pick him up. No, you go get him. Uh, stick him on the cart. Oh man, this guy is. Uh... You know, just the way. And you know what? I we have to remember how much Trudeau has embarrassed himself in India before. Oh, yeah. Like he's gone there, and I think that this is maybe some residual effect. She's like, get this man out of here. Why can't you guys get him out of here? But I yeah. mean, from the way he dressed, like he was in a Bali wall. Bolly, well, Bollywood movie or something like that yeah. from inviting a terrorist to his event. Do you remember yeah. that? He, he like yeah. it, the list goes on. I can't even keep up with that. Um, and yeah. one of his black faces probably offended offensive to people in India too. So this guy is a joke. Yeah. If something breaks down, and we need to figure out why did that plane not make it? That's weird in itself. The pilot's like, yeah, yeah no, it's not happening. <laughs> I'm just no. gonna detour to the UK. Let him Maybe. suffer in that little train. Maybe they were surfing in Tofino that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they took the day off. But th this is just like the the level of embarrassment. This whole thing, like like they're like, ah, okay, go on. Nobody wants to talk with him. He's standing off to the side on his own. And now Canada apparently can't even get an airplane to pick the guy up. It's embarrassing yeah. for Canada right across the board. It's yeah, I yeah. we we're not really a serious country anymore. Um, no, we're a joke, hopefully the new leadership. We're going to emerge right back onto the scene as soon as we have an adult back at the helm um, and become one of those Who powers again. Sit, like, whatever. But, uh, and and if Pierre, I swear, if Pierre ever sits with his legs crossed like that, um, we're going to do a whole documentary about it because um, <laughs> he'll be doppelgangered in or something. Anyways, this is something else. Kate, we're running out of time. Let's talk yeah. about aliens. Now, we're going to pull this video, guys. This says Mexico officials show non-human corpses. Um, so this is categorical proof. We know they're aliens now. They, they have them. It's a done deal. It's confirmed. Don't worry about any other news or stories out there. So uh, the tweet's a little bit wrong here. Uh, this is not a Mexican official for folks out there thinking this is the, the mm -hmm. deal breaker. Um, this is a guy who has actually had a few stories of similar mummified aliens and alien conspiracies debunked in the past. Um, and he just basically had an opportunity to present it an open thing to some officials. So we can we can we can play the video while we're talking. Frankly, it doesn't it's not all that significant. But it, it is incredibly interesting, like the quick rush. Everyone's posting this on social media saying proof confirmed aliens. What what do you make of all this, Drea? Well, uh, yeah, look at them unboxing aliens. <laughs> it's like a Nike I shoe. Are those the new Jordans? <laughs> The new Those edition. are Shaq's Jordans. <laughs> I okay. I do have a question um, because at this point, 
I'm not too surprised about anything. I'm not going to say there is no life out there. I'm just no. going to say, don't believe everything you see. Like you said, they're not even getting it right about who's unboxing um, the yeah. situation here. But I do think it's weird that since actually 2020, I mean, think of all the people who've been called a conspiracy theory for believing in aliens and UFOs and like the government yeah. made them crazy. And then in 2020 of April, I think I just sent an article, but you don't have to show it because we're watching the video. Um, uh, you know, in April, like midst the COVID thing, they released like the Pentagon's like, here you are, here's video of UFOs and no one cared. So it's yeah. weird that this alien stuff is coming out, but I feel like no one's taking it seriously. Mm. Um, myself included. I mean, I don't the, know. You know <laughs> I don't know what to make about this, but you, you know more about this, this guy and his history. And I think it's important for people to know about that. The man yeah, unboxing. Well aliens this is yeah this is a little bit of debunking because i know folks are kind of going overboard with this out here but this guy's done this several times and this isn't like fact checking this is like really like oh they they've sort of uh mm -hmm. debunked this categorically even within his own reports he's saying a third of the dna of this thing is not identifiable it's like okay so it's two-thirds human and one like yeah. what, what exactly are we getting at here um but yeah it, it's not by the other thing too that's that's really interesting is like even when you go back i forget the name of the other gentleman yeah, who testified officially um now those videos were released that is very interesting the tic tac footage yeah. all that stuff that 2022 maybe, yeah so that that stuff's all valid recently though another gentleman came out his name escapes me presently um, but he was a whistleblower and it became right. international news and everyone was talking about him he he said nothing new like everything mm -hmm. he said he was affirming a lot of stuff from a position of having worked in some of these departments but he didn't expose any new information, but people are very quick to be like, yep, yeah, it's official. Did you hear this guy said it? Um, this is going to happen before. Yeah. It's going to happen again. Um, so be cautious. Even if, if you're a believer, um, yeah. statistically, there's a, probably a pretty good chance there's some form of life out there. In fact, very likely. Um, whether it's intelligent or not, that's another yeah. question. Frankly, the universe is expanding so fast. Even if there is, we're probably not going to be able to get to them. So it's probably strictly mm -hmm. academic. But anytime something comes out, if you believe in this stuff, fact check, question. Whether yeah. it's a CBC progressive article Critical that doesn't thing. get to the core yeah, until the very bottom of the story, even if it's a Rebel News article or if it's an article saying, finally, here's facts. Maybe even more so in one saying, here's an alien body, believe us. Um, use your critical thinking question. Um, and uh, make decisions based on on those considerations, not just on uh, affirmation of things you might want to believe. Uh, two quick stories before we wrap up. House Republicans to open Joe Biden impeachment inquiry, while some hard right Republicans, hard right, there's the term hard right. Anyone who suggests that the Biden family might be into something hard right, far right, um, <laughs> this would be anyone sensible is I believe what they mean. Um, other parties cite lack of evidence. So this is interesting. Um, the pushback, it's so funny. Whenever there's any sort of indictment, impeachment, inquiry, anything into Trump, all the media will be like, oh, good, good, finally, like especially CBC. Um, but, but this article, again, a case of journalism, uh, there's a lack of evidence. Uh, lack of evidence. It's it's very interesting. Uh, we'll be curious to see what happens of this, whether it relates to Hunter directly, whether they come after Biden. Uh, but uh, McCarthy is... Uh, launching this inquiry apparently on his own. Uh, so we'll see. It, it may not have enough su support. It may not happen. But at least there's something there. I think there's probably some fire because there's a lot of smoke coming out of the Biden administration. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be reporting to let you know. I know Biden went on record saying like he 
I can't remember the exact words, but he's like so shocked and surprised. It's yeah. like, no, this has been what? a long time coming. Yeah, this has been a long time coming. Um, so we're going to watch this closely and who knows believe, what could happen. I believe he said, I'm white, hot, angry about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He forgot and who he was. Finally, here, our last uh, story of the day. Uh, North Korea's Kim Jong-un arrives in Russia for talks with Putin as two nations draw closer. Not great. Um, I don't want to wade into the geopolitics of the conflict currently unfolding. But if you're trying to present yourself uh, in as flattering a light as possible, with Ru which Russia doesn't really apparently care about, um, mm -hmm. this isn't Trump trying to go calm down North Korea and establish some normalcy. Um, this is concerning, and I don't think this is a good look by any metric. Most of the world, I mean, and this is what happens if you radicalize people and, and make people feel isolated, which I mean by invading, they've, they've done that to themselves to a large extent, but uh, you push them to other people. But why Why is Russia growing, mm -hmm. trying to grow? This, this feels like a this major way. world conflict alliance. Like, this doesn't feel Yeah, good. well, I know. And you have, the, it affects the BRICS and everybody involved with that. So you're right. It's, it's, it's more than bad optics. It's like, what is going on? What is, what are they preparing for? Um, I don't know what's like, I don't know if I can even what weigh into Russia this properly this? because it, yeah. What does Russia get out of this and why? I guess we just need to know why that's the main thing. Uh, but you're right. Like Russia, I don't think they really care what people think too. So yeah. No, well, and apparently, I mean, like, they, they do have a massive slave labor uh, core in North Korea. So I know what they're talking. Uh, the expectation is that Kim is expected to seek Russian and military uh, aid, like technological aid. Uh, and then in exchange, they'll be mass producing uh, munitions for Russia. But I mean, this definitely seems desperate. Um, yeah. Desperate and, and concerning because... Uh, not necessarily stable parties involved. So I uh, will definitely keep an eye on that, see what comes out of those conversations as the yeah. meetings take place. But uh, it is something else. Uh, Drea, thanks so much for today. I really appreciate it. We managed to get through absolutely everything. Lots of stories um, to share today. So uh, any final uh, words for the folks out there? Well, thanks everybody for being part of another Rebel Roundup or daily roundup and thanks adam you did great hosting also thanks to everyone in the studio for making this possible we simply couldn't do it without you and to echo dre sentiment for everyone watching at home thank you so much for rebel news i'm adam sos we don't need what ottawa has called the just transition in alberta because we do not intend to transition away from oil and gas what, I, what uh, many of the industry execs say to me is this is not about transitioning away from oil and gas, it's about transitioning away from emissions. And we can and will produce more, but we will also emit less. Industry has started down a path of reducing its emissions while exporting more oil and delivering more LNG. And we look forward to having a fact-based discussion with Ottawa one that results in a win-win outcome that is fair and supports the longevity of the oil and gas industry. So for Alberta, carbon capture is far more than a dream. It's been the foundation of our economic and environmental success, and it will continue far into the future. We're putting in the time, the money, and the effort to make it a mainstream, reliable, and mature technology.